This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, today, as we, um, again, we're going to unfold this word security, and because so many of us fight the space of insecurity. The number one need of a woman, number one need for a woman, lady, you know, ladies, you should be listening, men, you should be listening harder. The number one need for a woman is to feel secure. I, I don't know when this space of thought came in to their life or their makeup, and I know that there are some ladies that are way more, feel way more secure than others, um, but we're not here to, to, to bring comparisons because that's not what we do. It's not what God tells us not to do. God actually tells us not to do that. But the point of it is, it's a need. Now, maybe it was that place where, you know, um, right in the very beginning when God made uh, a man and woman and, and, uh, and when all of a sudden sin, Adam and Eve sinned, and all of a sudden it said that um, in Eve, he says, now your desire is going to be to please your man. Now, I think that, you know, a desire for a woman to please her man in the space of being putting God first is beautiful. But I think in the space of the world, it's terrible and it, get, it gets ugly. All of a sudden now we have ladies doing things that they should not be doing and we have men doing things that they should not be doing. And yet God said it should be beautiful inside the marriage bed, should be beautiful inside the marriage covenant. I don't know if it was in the space that insecurity came um, in, the, in the place of sin, because all of a sudden, it be, instead of being people of faith, we became people of fear. I, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't really matter whether we really have a, an angle of where it started. We're now living in the space of insecurity. We live in that realm of it. And so as we unfold this um, storyline, moms, I want to start this whole, this whole message out with the idea of honor or value. You know, many times you don't really realize that, you know, as you give so much out, you don't really realize that you're giving value. A child is picking up value. Now, whether they, whether they honor you back or, or whether they appreciate it, most of the time they don't, but you're giving value. So today, we're trying to respond. We're trying to, to give back to you and an understanding of how valued we are. So here's some things I caught on the net about moms, Okay. Mother's Day, you're special. Her hands held me gently from the day I took my first breath. Her hands helped to guide me as I took my first step. Her hands held me close when the tears would start to fall. Her hands were quick to show me that she would, never, she would take care of it all. When I think about my mom, I just can't help but smile. The beauty of her loving heart, the easy grace in her style. She lovingly instilled in me. Those values that made me strong and never stops, this never stops. And my best friend since I was young. When I think about my mom, I just can't help but smile. She's been an angel from the start, gentle, wise, versatile. She always seems to know when things aren't going too well. Even when I try to pretend, just a glance and she can tell. When I think about my mom, I just can't help but smile. 
her own troubles. She'd set apart her own troubles. Again, she keeps and pushes them aside to go for me an extra mile. She sometimes worries too much. I guess it's just the way moms are. If she doesn't, well, who will? That's why she's my superstar. New York Times says this, if you were to do an, an, uh, an advertisement for a mom. Okay, here we go. If mothers were asked to put together a job advertisement for, well, being a mom, after the results of a recent survey, it just might look like this. Now hiring, work from home. Position requires strong ability to multitask. The successful applicant will be able to plan, prepare nutritious meals while maintaining mountains of clean laundry. She can provide tutoring, nursing, counseling, therapy sessions on an on-as-needed basis. In addition, applicants should be available for various event planning activities, including birthday parties. The position involves staying up-to-date on all recommended practices of child development, including, but not limited to, temper tantrums, adolescent awkwardness, sleeping and eating not guaranteed for employees. Applicant must have a valid driver's license or organize reliable transportation. Expect to work an average of 97 hours per week, 52 weeks a year. Who would sign up for that? Moms. Thank you, moms. So at this point, what I'd like to do is have every mother, grandmother, stepmother, foster mother, anyone that is mother in any capacity, I want you to stand up right now. And we would like to give you a standing ovation of thank you. Come on, stand up right now. Oh, you can do better than that. Woo! Thank you. By the way, before you sit, before you sit, Know this, you bring eternal beings into this world. Heaven is populated because of you. That's how valuable you are. So if I was the devil and I hated God and I hated heaven, I'd hate you. That's why there's so much hate. So that's why it's so important for you to understand how important you are and believe Believe me, you, that you need to understand how you need to grab the faith and security in God. You need to spend that time in his presence. Please have a seat. Thank you so much for who you are. I want to read a passage to you. It's found in Psalms 139. And, you know, uh, I remember when my wife, many years ago, was struggling homeschool. My, my wife's, honestly, if, if I look at a lot of heroes in my life, my wife is one of them. And, you know, when we adopted our three children in our life, already we had four kids, um, biological, young, um, seven and younger. And then we uh, adopted a nine, an 11, and a 13 in our life. And my wife wanted to do this. I'll say that again. My wife wanted to do this. I was not on that page. And that's for a whole other story. All right? And so at the same time, we had found out that uh, by, we went to the school and found out academically where they were at, and they were struggling. In fact, uh, one of them, and they were very smart young girls. The, uh, the youngest, um, who is now part of our, our church family here, and the youngest was struggling um, academically. And you know what it was? Security. We had found that after meeting with a teacher, in fact, I know I'd had some coaches in my life and I had some teachers in my life that just were not, you know, didn't treat me with encouragableness. And so I, I don't know about you, but if I was a nine-year-old and I had been passed around foster home to foster home, and then if I had been in a space where I had thought that, the two, that there was two different times where I was going to be adopted and that, I, you know, being the adopter, 
adoptive parents, one of them being their grandparents, thinking that there was going to be a go-away party, and then they didn't show up. I could understand why a nine-year-old is broke. A broken heart in this little young lady. In fact, really struggling with this space of disappointment. I can get it. I can see why disappointment and, and hurt would be in that space. And so when we met this teacher, this teacher, all she could do is bring out all the things that, you know, Samantha was doing wrong. And we knew right away that we were going to have to take this kid out of school and homeschool. Not because she needed it academically, but because she needed it nutritionally, emotionally. Moms, it's so important because, see, when we feel insecure, this teacher because she was struggling with her student. She was struggling. And how many times we as parents sometimes, we struggle with our, you know, our kids, or we struggle with our spouse, or we struggle in our workspace, and somebody's just not connecting. We're sharing, we're talking, but there's not a connection going back and forth. So she was struggling connecting with my daughter to, you know, my daughter-to-be someday here, Samantha. She was struggling academically, and the teacher was taking it personally, like it, she was doing something wrong, but what was happening is, see, let me tell you something, when you pour into a broken heart, it all leaks out. And this little nine-year-old was just broke. And so what happened is we, you know, my wife, again, being the hero she is, began to homeschool these girls and homeschool a lot of our kids, and, and all it was is that she took, began to build in to those three, three girls and plus my biological kids at the same time and helped Samantha feel secure, that she was loved, she was appreciated. I could not believe that the circumstances around those kids, the, the kids had bionic ears. And if you don't understand, you, you know, I'm, you know, um, the bionic man. You know, I know, I'm really showing my time and age, all right? But anyway, the point of it is, is that they could hear things that were just, I would think, physically impossible. Because they were always ready to get thrown out of house again. They were always ready that, you know, that they thought that someday that Brent and I were going to kick them out, have to go somewhere else. That's what they were. So security was a huge space for their hearts, more than normal. Every child needs security. And then we find out that these, here are ladies, and the number one need is security. And see, I, you know, and so what we had found out is that it was going to take a lifetime to build that space of understanding. Like, what I love about it is that it's not just ladies that struggle with this. Men do too. I struggled with my height and, you know, and, and I, I have struggled with going. I, I went in from sixth grade. We changed a whole new school district from sixth grade to seventh grade. So went into a new school and was picked on through junior high. My brother, who was 10 months younger than me, started out growing me by the age of nine. So in my struggle with this, I'm a, you know what? I, he's my younger brother, so I'm going to lift. He gonna, I'm not going to take nothing from him. And so I, I struggled with a lot of security in my life. So when, I, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself. And I realized that, you know, security isn't supposed to be found in this world. It's supposed to be found in God. That I'm unique and you're unique and that I have a specialness. In fact, I'm seeing so much beauty in this. I have 21 grandkids and, and two of those grandkids are twins. And even in the space of twins, it is so amazes me how unique they are. Recently, I was uh, going over to one of my son-in-law's house and they were having struggles with... Um, 
I know it must be a septic system lately, but anyway, they were struggling with their septic system too. And anyway, and he was asking me for some help and some direction. And, and uh, so anyway, before I even got out of my car, you know, um, two of my, the twin granddaughters got up and meet me. Hey, grandpa, grandpa, I got, and they wanted to tell me that, you know, their heroic day and their heroic day was, is they went running. And of course they have all these older siblings and, and they're, they're kind of, they're not just the middle, they're kind of more toward the younger end of the, the children of seven kids. And so they're, you know, running, they're, they're all fast. I mean, Jake was really fast, and my daughter Samantha was fast, so they're in their genes to be fast. And these two twins, man, they, they really go, and they're going, Grandpa, we ran the, the 800 in this much time, and, and we beat all the guys. And you know what? And then, and Grandpa, then she told me her time, and then I was like, wow, you know, that's remarkably fast. I mean, that's even fast for being two years older than you. And then I find out that what really hit me was is that the, the one that my Ariah, or Ari was telling me how fast was and her, her other twin sister ran it. Now listen, talk about cool God. Genetics are amazing. I mean, God is amazing. Here are these two twins ran at two different times. They're not in the same class. Ran the two different track times, two different spaces of time, not even seeing each other, ran it within one second of each other. Now, I'm not talking about the 100-yard dash here. I'm talking about 800 yards. How in the world can that even happen? I'm sitting there going, God, you're so amazing that even in the space of these genetics, God, you're so special how you make us that within one second they beat every guy. That ain't genetically. Well, that's, that's just God, amen, what's going on. And, I'm, and here's the younger, the one that ran it slower was honoring her twin sister who ran it faster. That ain't normal either, amen? And so it was just a really cool, I was having such a, a great grandpa moment. Well, as long as we're talking about insecurity, is it in the Bible? I am so glad that there are so many spaces. All you gotta do is read the book of Psalms and you find a moment where somebody's like living on the top and it isn't even, within the next verse, someone's like, what just happened? I mean, who pulled the rug from underneath this person? What just happened? Well, I'm going to, there's a, there's a moment that's captured in Psalms 139. Spirit of God is talking here in David, and he's really capturing this, wow, God, I'm really special in your eyes. And he's obviously underneath a lot of pressure. We're going to find that out in just a moment. But even underneath so much pressure, he's finding his security in God. And then something happens in the space of this chapter where he lost his you know, lost his marbles. And he begins to see things the way it is. And then all of a sudden he steps right back in to the space of being secure with God. I know that none of you ladies have ever had those emotional moments in your life, but, you know, those highs and lows were all within a, you know, a couple seconds of each other. But just pretend you're like David for a second. Here we go, all right? Psalms 139, verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm afar. You see me when I travel and when I rest. You know everything I do and know what I'm going to say and even before I say it. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support. I could ask for darkness to hide and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. 
How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life I was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out. Before a single day had passed, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still there with me. Now, before you jump into verse 19, all right, David is definitely having a space in the presence of God. His security isn't in something, you know what, that's just like he's having. No one's thinking, I'm in my mother's womb and you knew all these things. That's something that God is really revealing to him. He, I, possibly he's really going through a fight of his life. Possibly he's going through, you know, maybe, maybe a time where he's really feeling insecure. Maybe some things people said about him. Maybe he's been chased out of his home instead because we know some of these things are going on in his history of life. But look at verse 19. All of a sudden David goes right from being in the space of this presence, from the space of being secure with God, to really insecure again. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you, your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I will hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. How in the world? Is this the same guy talking? Do you guys see how, see, here's the rule. What I love about God's word is it includes all the emotions. What I love about God's word is it's so true that God could have easily hid. Said, you know what? I'm just going to allow what spiritually was happening to, you know, in this moment with David. And I'm going to just kind of keep that other nonsense that was going on with David out of the picture. No, God includes it. So that you can see that when you're having your high and you're having your low, then I love how it finishes it. Because see, it's, here's the thing is God's the author and the finisher of our lives. 23, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Father, I ask that through this message that truth would, Lord God, would be conveyed. Simple. Pray that it would be, Lord, a truth that we could walk out throughout the, the, the journey ahead of us, days, weeks, moments in our future, that our life would take on your shape, that we would have life-changed moments. God, we pray that you would be our security. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. I only have a few points, and they're in, my, in your study guide, so if you could just walk with me through these things. Number one, feeling insecure isn't wrong. Every one of us are going to go through it. Feeling isn't insecure isn't wrong. Finding your security outside of God will end wrong. Eve was insecure, even though she was perfect, and she thought, man, if I could just take that fruit of that tree, maybe my life would be better. I've seen people covet marriages that aren't theirs. I've seen people covet homes I've seen people think that this was, you know, you know, objects, occupations, whatever. Always, it's no different than, than the fruit. Something else, something else has. It's very important that your security isn't in this world. It's in the Lord himself. Amen? And then we find out Brenda already gave him the example of Sarah. Sarah was insecure in the space of a promise. 
Maybe your body is going through something. I know that my wife and I, we're getting, you know, when we're in this older age, things are changing. And we're, you know what, and easily, you know, no one talked to us about this stuff. And my, my, I remember my wife going over there, someone through this menopause. Everybody uses the word, but what is it? You know, and so instantly there can be all these insecurities that happen inside of what's going on in your physical body. So at the same time, you got to go over there and turn your security to God. Seasons in your life. When we had our seven kids in our life, and then I had my oldest daughter when she just turned 18, and all of a sudden things just seemed to be going south. You know what? I can't find my security in who I am as a dad. I had to find my security in God. I said, God, you promise this is your plan. It doesn't feel like it's folding out this way. Search me, oh God. Teach me how to be a better dad. Security is an ongoing thing that I need to do, and I can't look at it from this world. i got to find it in God. Number two, embrace God's plan for my life is where security needs to beginning. God has a plan. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do things He's planned for us long ago. Do you realize that before I even woke up, before you woke up, God had already had this day fashioned That means if God has a plan for my life, he has a master design, how many times have I gotten off track? How many times have I taken a a detour in life? Maybe there's some things that, you know, I've gotten insecure over. I could, man, if I could tell you story after story after story of things that I've messed up. One of the ones that comes to mind really quickly is my my oldest daughter, um, when she had said that, her biological father. She had talked about her biological father, and I was her adopted father. That made me insecure. And I remember uh, really quickly um, one time we were we were struggling in the space of connecting, um, and it was before school started. And uh, she she had said something like, "You you just you, you're not a good dad," or something of that sort. And you know what? Instead of just being secure in God. I got insecure in me. And I remember um, I grabbed her, her backpack and school was starting and I just picked it and I just chucked it as far as I could. And then I said, go get it. You know, and she hurt me and I basically hurt her back. Insecure. And I remember her getting back in the car and I drove her to the bus and uh, she, you know, and, um, and she gets on the bus and I just started weeping. I said, God, what's wrong with me? Why am I acting so ridiculous? Why are her words piercing like arrows inside of me? Why am I allowing this in my life? I know better than this. God, I've taught other parents better than this. Why am I being, and God says, you're acting just like your human side can. Are you going to be in me or are you going to be in you? And I just wept, and I prayed, got in that car, and I said, God, search me and know me. Teach me your ways. And that night, we landed up getting on there, and God spoke to me. He said, pick her up, put her on the bed, sit your butt down low underneath, and tell her you love her. Don't tell her what she's done wrong. Just tell her that you love her. And so that's what we did. We had that little exercise. And we had plenty, many, many exercises like this. But being led by God 
instead of being led by insecurity. And I'm sure that we could have all kinds of our own stories if we just were to listen to one another. But they'd all the same as what can you do in the flesh or what could God do when he's fashioned great things for you? Number three, know that you're very special in God's eyes. Know that your kids are very special. Mothers, you're very special. Children are very special. Young adults are very special. Know that you are very special. You may have had other people not tell you. Maybe you've even told yourself. Most of the time when I meet young ladies, most of the time, the worst critic of their life is themselves. They're not skinny enough. They're not pretty enough. They're not young enough. They're not smart enough. They just, they beat themselves up. And they beat themselves up. That's what Satan does. Psalms 139, 14 says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Have you ever done that in front of God? Have you ever done that in your prayer time? God, thank you for making me so complex. You know, I, I know that there are times where, you know, my wife and I, we're just disconnected. We had one of those moments where we, drive, we drove to Chicago and back yesterday because of our one-year-old granddaughter. And she was her first birthday. And so it was important for us to be there. And on the way, we're, we're making this journey and I'm having this deep discussion with my wife and I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter. But, I, but I've learned because I'm secure as a husband that my wife is unique and complex. She's a treasure. And t- places where I used to get insecure because like her attention and my, my wife can be just get, she can get off into a thought like, when I went and go get her this, just a few minutes ago, because she was over there in the first touch ministry. Her heart right now is to build a, a volleyball court in the back and, and to get a, a, um, a, a fire, what it calls a campfire area in the back and, and build this huge thing for the church family in the back. And she gets so excited about that, she forgot all about it. She's come up here and supposed to pray. I knew this. I mean, I know my wife. And so I'm seeing her. She's not singing with us. Boop, let's get out of here. Hey, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just, I know her. The Bible says to know your wife. I do, I know her, and I love her. And so we're on our way back, and, and I'm, we're having this conversation. And you know, I'm, like any conversation, you're waiting for someone to respond, right? Well, what happens is, is all of a sudden we're driving, and there's this really weird car that we, I, I've never seen before, and she's never seen before, and her eyes just fix on it. Just, just like, you know, just like a pointer dog on a bird, man. She just goes over there, and she's just on point with that, on the, you know, and, and I knew right away I lost her. Whatever I had just said, whatever we had just talked about, it was lost. There was times in my life where I was so insecure, we'd fight about that. Now I just love her. The very thing that makes her so special, when we go for walks in the woods, she'll see things I don't see. She'll grab things. The very things I used to get upset about, now I absolutely love. I go, yeah, that's a cool car, isn't it, honey? She goes, oh, she looks back. She goes, I'm sorry. I go, no worries, honey. I says, she goes, you know what that is? I go, I haven't the faintest idea what that thing is. I go, but you know what? And we just moved on. We laughed because we're both secure. Finding security in God develops intimacy with each other. Insecurity, fear will develop. All it will develop is conflict. Number four, security in God comes through the understanding that you are not perfect and forgiveness is an ask away. How many of you guys spend time asking God to forgive you? Don't raise your hand. I do it all the time. You know why? Because I know that inside of me is a sin nature. I may, the Bible says there are sins of omission and commission. 
The ones that commission means, you know, there are things that, man, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. And many of us, well, that's not a big deal. Let me tell you something. We all fall short of the glory of God. All of us do. And so I'm asking God, I said, God, cleanse me. Forgive me of my sins. Search me, O God, and know me. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate others. Number five, spend time with secure leaders and friends. If you want to grow in your security, find people that are secure. People that are secure in who they are. More things are caught than taught. The reason us parents, when we see kids that are out there, we say, we, we don't want you to hang out with them. We don't want you to say, say mom, dad, there's nothing wrong because we know the premise of more things are caught than taught, whether we know it or not. But it seems like we know that when they're ba- young adults or even teens, but we forget that when we're older, it's the same premise. It's the same spiritual law. You're still catching things around you. More things are caught than taught. So hang around. So if you want to have people that you want security in your life, get around people that feel, I got three of you. Well, let's, let's see. Maybe pretend you're hearing me. All right. Just can you all pretend? All right. So if you want to be secure in your life, you're going to hang around people that are, thank you. You're going to hang around people that are secure. Okay, we're finished. Number six, moms raising the next generation in Jesus is what being a mom is all about. Anything that's parental, anything that's designed to be worthy of what's going to be worthy in life is going to be passing it and moving it on into the next generation. God has had us, let's face it, we're going to live on this earth 80, 85. Maybe some of us will live to 95 or whatever. I know that my, my grandmother, my, my grandkids kept on saying, Grandma, you got to make it. She made it, made it to over 100, you know, and uh, she just... An amazing woman. But the point of it is, is rarely mo- you know, any of us are going to live that long. We're going to live forever somewhere. Can anybody think about forever? You, you, just, you can't get your brain around, can you? You just can't consciously think forever because what happens in this life, we, go, we always think, well, there's just more time to fix it. There's more time to make up for it. There's more, whether it be our finances, whether it be our health, whether it be our marriage, whether it be relationship, whatever it is, we just think of, there's just got, we've got more time. Just give me a little bit more time. Let me tell you something. Eternity is going to be shaped in a space of perfect or terrible. There is no space dividing. There's no, you know, there's not going to be a place where you can, you know, lay away and that you can get fixed later. You choose you this day whom you will follow. And so our kids are watching. More things are caught than taught. And so they learn who their father God is by watching their father on this earth. And so if I was the devil, what would I do? I would try to take every father out of a household. If I could take every father out of a household then what is going to be their impression of Father God? Terrible. He's not there for me. If I was the devil, then what I would do is, is I would create so much argument and so much hostility inside of the parent role, even if there's a divorce situation, so much hostility going on in between the divorcees so that that child would grow up in this space of so much hostility why would they ever look for a 
heavenly father or mother scenario. Remember, in God, in God, he made us man and woman in his image. So in God is the fathering and the mothering relationship. In God. So all I'd have to do is create so much anarchy and so much chaos inside of the family structure. And then if I were God, what I would do is try to create this beautiful thing called family. Where families would eat together and they would, you know, have supper together and they would, you know, they'd study together and they'd work together and they would do chores together. And, and, and then they could learn what the family is and that the, the little family would look a lot like the bigger family called the church. And then the, the church would look like a little bit. And then they would say the church would look a lot like the big family heaven. That's what I would do if I were God. And that's what he did. And so if you're the devil and you're here to steal, kill, and destroy, all you got to do is attack the parents and attack the family structure because more things are caught than taught. So I don't know where you're at in that given storyline. It doesn't matter where you're at today because God says, behold, I want to do something new. God is a God of newness. And he won't hold anybody back to the old. He won't hold anything back to the old. Now, I, I'm a, a person who you know, uh, flips homes and builds new homes. I would much rather build a new home than flip any old home. New construction is way nicer than old construction. You know, just, but, but I've done both. And here's God. God goes, there's, there's, you know, here's the thing is, is we're all old construction. And God chooses to work through us. He says, I choose you. Do you feel like you're God's choice? Do you feel like you're God's chosen child of love and hope and destiny? Do you feel like you're his masterpiece? Do you feel like you're in the shape of his hands? Do you feel like you're so special that what God's going to say and do through your life is so important that it's going to touch lives around you? Because that's what God wants you to feel like. Or do you feel like, man, I just, I'm blowing it over and over, Pastor Ron. Well, I'm, I make a mess of it too. But I ask God to forgive me so that my kids don't remember my mess. They do have a habit of misremembering that. But anyway, um, but they also remember what God's done through my life. And I'm, one thing that really I have, you know, what bothers me is that Genetically, things are passed on, right? My kids always blame me. They say, Dad, you know what? Look at my height. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're taller than me. That's a win. <laughs> so, but you know, they, they, that's genetics. But what is really important is spiritually what was passed on. Son, do you know how to pray? And nothing touches me more when my, my boy at 7 o'clock in the morning, Dad, you got a second? I go, yeah. He goes, I got some questions about God and the word right now. I just, yeah, I don't get it. This whole thing about God choosing this person and not that person, that just doesn't seem like God, Dad. I, great question. This is a great question. And some of you probably went through that reading this uh, week in Romans where, you know, um, talks about the, like the predestination. Let me ask you something real quick, and this is kind of a quick little thing. It's off topic. Pretend 
you can see the end from the beginning. You already know where it's going to end. You already know what choices this person's going to make, where they're going to end up. Now, currently, you have to talk about that person. How do you do that? That's the Word of God. How do you talk currently and something you already know in the future? I know you're all looking at me like a deer in headlights. God knows the end from the beginning. So God says he knows who's going to choose him. He knows who's going to surrender to him. He knows who's going to love him. And so them, he says, I know them and I've chosen them. And so all of a sudden we go, God says they're chosen. And people go, well, that doesn't make sense. That's not even fair because you think present tense. God thinks future, present, and past. You can't get your mind around it. You can't go over there and figure it out. You're never going to get there. But that's who our God is. And so when God chooses words, don't get hung up on the words because the words only mean this much to you, but they mean this much to God. When God speaks a word, he speaks a word that's present, past, and future. You can't talk that way because you don't work that way. Your scope of thinking is about this big, and God's infinite. And so when you get into that space in the Word of God, don't try to figure it out. Because even if you could, your mind would blow up. You couldn't, you couldn't. I mean, think about, the Bible says that the thoughts that God has for you are so infinitely long that there's not books that could contain it. That's just the thoughts over you. Now put the 6.6 billion people on this earth. And there's not books that can contain all the thoughts over one. Now multiply that by 6.6 billion. And then multiply that over all the 6,000 years we've been on earth. And then multiply that by all the angels that have been created. All you need to do is stop thinking. And just say, I surrender. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for moms. God, I thank you for who and what the love of God and the nurturing of God inside of them. The gift makeup of who you are is inside of them. Father, I thank you that I'm learning all the time more and more of who you are and how long-suffering that you are. All I got to do is look at my wife and see who you are in them. God, I thank you that in me, Father, is I'm incomplete. And that God, that through all of us together, even all of us in this room, all the gifts that we have in you, God, we're still incomplete. But God, when we come together, you will complete your plan. You'll make a masterpiece out of it. Father, I lift up the lives in this room right now that are broke. Moms, dads, young people, old people. God, in the space of your presence, they're just broke. God, I pray that you heal their broken heart. You could pour so much in, it would just leak out. I, God, I pray that you heal the broken heart. If, you're, if that's you today, I pray that you let God heal your broken heart and worship today. Ask God, say, God, Jesus came here to heal the broken heart. I, I receive your healing today. Or maybe you're here today and you've, just don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're, 
Maybe it's your first day here. Maybe you're watching for the first time. Maybe you've been here a few times, but you can feel the presence of God knocking on your heart. That's his presence. That's his Holy Spirit who loves you. Invite him in. Or maybe you've lost your way in your journey. Life has just had a lot of different intersections and somehow you made some wrong turns. God loves you and will bring you back to that space where you left and love you through and get you back on his path. Many are the plans that he has for you. So church family, if any one of those scenarios are you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, all of us together. Say, Father God, come on church family, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life into your hands. Make me that masterpiece that you've called me to be. I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's stand up and worship our God together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.